And sitting next to her is Sally Hurst, who's been on the Science Show before. But here's a different take on how she can help you with your mysterious fossils. I'm the founder of the company Found a Fossil and it gives information to people of what to do if you ever discover a fossil or an Aboriginal artefact or site. Are you attached to some organisation? I work at Macquarie University and the Australian Museum. They're a long way apart, how do they work together? They do not, but I flit between both. Do you know Leslie Hughes? I do, I believe I've met her at Macquarie University. She came in for a talk about science communication for our class. What did you learn from her? She is an excellent science communicator. She won't take crap from anyone and she is helping to change the game of climate change and get people to actually believe in it and do something about it. Do you assist her at all? I do not. Unfortunately, I've only met her the once, but I think the advice that she gives to the public of Australia about what they can do to help change climate change and make an impact, it's definitely something that I've tried to introduce into my own habits and lifestyle. And to combine two fields, that is paleontology and climate change, have you met Tim Flannery? Oh, again, he's another big name in the museum. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him in person, but if you know him, give him a call. I'd love to meet him. When the public comes into museums or anywhere else where there are fossils, what do you think turns them on? Because there they are in glass cases covered up, just with funny names and they look at them for 25 seconds. How do you turn them on? I think dinosaurs are obviously a big selling point. Just the scale of them, I think, can often inspire wonder and awe about the amazing things that have lived on our globe for millions of years and how their extinction led to where we are today and our existence. But in terms of museums as well, I think while things are behind cabinets, it also kind of adds to the mystery. It helps to <laughs> maintain that illusion of we still have a lot of questions. We still don't have a lot of answers about things in the past. And maybe the people who are in the museums can help to solve these mysteries in the future. Let me give you a little story about, um, I've got lots of stories, and I've told this one only 26 times over the decades. Kids going to museum, and there's a big scary monster going and they look at that rather frightening edifice for maybe 30 seconds next to it is a pit Mm -hmm. with sand in it Mm -hmm. or something like that and amongst the bits of sand are bits of fossil and they spend half an hour or more looking for that even though what they turn up is not really identifiable until it's explained. Two different, rather surprising contrasts. I think kids are a lot smarter at making those linkages than we give them credit for. I think they can see a dinosaur, an entire skeleton, or even just in a book, and they have that sense that it came out of the ground and someone had to dig that up. And I think there's definitely a sense of excitement in they could be that discoverer, they could dig up the next dinosaur skeleton. And when they've finished fossicking around, is there any follow-up? Because having seen the thing or found the thing, what happens next? So it often really depends on the parents and how engaged they were. Or teachers. Or teachers, absolutely. So sometimes they can book in for a program at the museum. We have an amazing program called Scientist for a Day. So if it was the paleontology that they love, they can come and meet our paleontologists. They can see our collections and see the whole process of how it comes out of the ground and gets into the museum. 
For parents, it might be that they contact us with a fossil find that they found on the beach, that the kid has been curious enough to always be on the lookout for something and they've been interested enough to contact us and we send it to our paleontologist and say, hey, you actually have found something really cool. Maybe it's 200 million years old. Well, that's exciting, but, you know, the, the two million years old or 200 million years old, but the, the names of the bones are fairly obscure and difficult. And the animal itself, T-Rex we understand, but the Diplodocus or whatever the <laughs> longer name is, yeah. how did you yourself learn these things? Again, I think there is no one with as much dinosaur knowledge as a four-year-old. And... Honestly, it's by osmosis. Sometimes they might read the name or they can hear the name and just like that, they've got it. So I know so many kids who are better at pronouncing dinosaur names than myself and other paleontologists. And when I go to schools, they will often be like, have you heard of this dinosaur? And I'm like, I've never heard of that dinosaur in my life. Let me go and Google that. But kids have so much knowledge and especially for names, it's one of the best ways to get them learning to read as well. But once you kind of understand the breakdown of different things and what they mean, so Tyrannosaurus rex is the tyrant lizard king. Once kids kind of start to break those syllables down, they are unstoppable and there's no dinosaur name they won't learn. Thank you. Thank you. Sally Hurst at the Australian Museum and Find a Fossil is her outfit there helping you to identify the strange objects you found in the bush.